This is Tom Johnson from Tech Writer Voices from the Suncoast chapter in Tampa, Florida. And welcome to this episode on indexing. The other week, I finished uh, writing a how-to guide, about 50 pages, and I got to the end and I started wondering if I needed an index. And if I did need an index, what would be the best way to go about it? Now, indexes are one of those sort of components of a help guide that in a lot of cases are optional and in other cases can be monumental tasks that you even bring in a specialized indexer to perform. It's an art and a skill so it can be kind of a daunting sort of thing to contemplate. Well I was googling the web and I came across a document titled How Do I Generate an Index in Word by John McGee, a Microsoft MVP and I found it really really helpful. I ended up emailing John just telling him how much I appreciated the document. These MVPs are all volunteer helpers for others to learn. And when John replied, I noticed in his tagline that he was a technical writer. And in fact, he is a technical writer who specializes in long documents. On his bio, he writes, I specialize in very long documents such as books and manuals and in producing material to very short deadlines. And I thought John would make a great person to make for a great interview for a podcast. He lives in Sydney, Australia, so he has a great sounding accent. And he just has a wealth of knowledge about indexes, as I came to find out. So, uh, John, my first question for you is why do you think indexes are important? I don't. Um, An index uh, is a response to... uh, a, a uh, design deficiency in in uh, the paper presentation mechanism. Uh, these days, you'd almost always choose to present large amounts of complex information electronically. Uh, and if you did that, you'd re-engineer it uh, so that the uh, reader could skip around it quickly. Uh, presenting information in a serial fashion from beginning to end and expecting the reader to read every page is almost anachronistic these days. Readers just don't have that much time in their lives. However, if you are forced to present information on paper uh, by change-averse customers or readers and it's a large body of structured information, then you'd ask whether any of your audiences are likely to spend much of their time making random access to the content. So, for example, a dictionary or a reference manual uh, would support the random access um, method of of access because the reader wants to look up bits of it. They don't want to read the whole thing. And if that's uh, the way you expect your audience to read the publication, then uh, you might consider uh, including an index. Uh, and if you did that, um, you would uh, you'd really be asking yourself: Is paper the right publication vehicle for this information? Sometimes you won't have a you won't have a uh, an option, and under those circumstances, then. Uh, you might consider uh, including an index. So really, uh, for most um, publications, the answer is no, no index. Okay. 
Now, for those publications where you do need an index, when should a writer begin creating an index? There are some key design decisions that are required in order to create a good index, uh, and they should often be made uh, right up the front. I'm thinking here about a typical uh, textbook publication workflow uh, where the, pro the writing project may extend 6 to 12 months. Um, often, uh, when producing a, a book of sufficient size to justify an index, the writer does not design the index at all. A, a large, complex publication requires a, an expert indexer. It takes a particular skill set to write a good book, and it takes very specific but different skills to be good at creating indexes, and it's rare to find both in the same person. The index is best designed by a specialist indexer. I mean, any fool can play golf, but if you have money riding on the outcome, call Tiger Woods. The design of an index build, begins with the business analysis long before the publication itself has been designed. Right up the top of the project, when you ask questions such as, which segments of audience do we aim to reach? Which of their behaviors do we aim to change? And how will they use this publication? If the answer is the main audience for this publication will be jet fighter pilots, they'll use this manual in the process of firing a missile at the enemy, and the change we expect is that they won't themselves be shot down so often in the process, you may find your documentation designer trending towards an answer of uh, no index, I don't think. They'll be too busy to look at it. Once you have decided to include an index, at this stage you need to allocate the time to create it. A good index runs to about one day per 100 finished pages of publication. But if you've never built an index before, allow twice that amount of time. So for a 500-page book, it's going to take you a week to produce the index at least. Now, you need to make some fundamental design decisions, and right up the front of the project is a really good time to make them because it then allows you to insert your index tags as you're creating the text. If you're going to save your index design decisions for the back end of the production process, then you can't tag until you've made these design decisions. So you might as well make them up the front. Uh, some of the common ones in no particular order of importance are, in your index, will you reverse the terms or not? In other words, will you have an entry appearing as indexing the art of or as the art of indexing. It doesn't matter which you choose, but whichever one you choose, you must do it for each term. Um, and it's difficult to be prescriptive, but in textbooks and reference manuals, you're probably, probably better off reversing the terms. Now, the collation sequence or sorting sequence is important. Will you choose letter by letter or word by word? If you're submitting to an academic publication, they will prescribe how your index must be sorted. Uh, for any other form of publication, most people expect word by word these days, and uh, they'll struggle with a letter by letter index. In fact, you very rarely see a letter by letter index these days. Will you list numbers first, or will you sort them as though they're written out? For example, uh, if one of your entries is the 13th precinct, will that be listed
before the letter A or within the letter T? Will you sort the uh, the digits 1, 3 as if they were the figure 13 or the word 13. Now, one of the key design decisions for an index is will you show the table of contents entries in the index? Now, I'm from the let's get this uh, project completed on time and on budget school of, uh, of uh, technical authors, so I say, of course you will. Readers these days can't tell the difference between a table of contents and an index, and they've got no idea what either of them do. So put both kinds of entries in both places. It's really simple. So uh, one of the really quick ways to get started with an index is to make your first set of tags your headings. You just tag each heading and let it appear in the index with a page number, and that will uh, go some way towards setting the structure for your index. Will you have C and C also references in your index? Again, fashion has changed, technology has changed, tools have changed. In the old days, we used to have uh, Fred C. Mobile or painting C. paint colors. Uh, and the reason for that was to condense the index because paper was very expensive typing or typesetting was very expensive. These days, paper's cheapest chips, typesetting costs nothing because it's done by a machine, and you might as well just tag every reference. So my vote is no, just forget about C and C also references. If you have software installing and installing software as two terms in your index, put a page number on both rather than going to uh, installing software, see software installing, which just annoys the reader because it means that they have to make a double search of the index to find what they're looking for. Just put a page number on both of them and let's uh, try and save the reader a bit of time. Will you conflate the page numbers or not? Mm, my vote is not. Particularly if you're working in Microsoft Word, it is laborious to conflate page numbers. It's very difficult to maintain and it serves very little purpose. A reader wants to know that network configuration begins on page 98. They couldn't give a damn if it continues through pages 99, 100, 101 and 102. They want to go to the first page to read the subject. Give them the benefit of a little intelligence. Most readers can work out for themselves where the index discussion ends. Those accounts probably shouldn't be reading your book. So I don't bother with uh, conflating a range of pages. I just put a tag at the start of each subject. Now, if the writer is using Microsoft Word, can you describe the steps that are involved in creating an index? The... First and most important one is to make certain that you've got a properly documented information design to work from. A book is not a work of art, it's a piece of engineering. And it begins with a plan. You must know which audience segments you're chasing, what they are trying to do, and what you want them to be able to do. Uh, accidents happen, but disasters take planning, or, if you like, a disaster is what happens if planning doesn't. 
So spend some time on your document design, uh, particularly the audience analysis, because it shapes everything you do, not just the index. The second, I think, major point is to make certain that the document is well-structured. You can't rescue a bad book design with a good index. In fact, you can't make a good index with a bad document design. If the document topics and subjects are scattered all over the place, uh, all the index will do is reveal that. The most important characteristic of an index is predictability. If they looked up painting uh, styles, colors, types, they should also find sculpture styles, colors, types. The, your, your index uh, should be internally consistent so that readers get familiar with it within, with just a glance and can find their way around it. If the document itself is poorly structured, the index will simply ensure that readers waste more of their time not finding what they wanted. It is, I believe, very important to write, edit, review, and proofread the text before you start creating the index. Creating an index is a precision manual process. You need to ensure that you have to do it only once. If the text changes after you've inserted the index tags, you run the risk of having to edit or move many of them. That's a very laborious process. Try not to do it. Try to have your text as close as possible to publication ready before you insert your index tags. You can, using Microsoft Word, insert index tags as you go, and technical authors in a work group might do this, but they then have allowed for and accepted the fact that many of those tags are going to have to be uh, edited, changed, or moved as part of the finishing process, and they've probably got a specialist appointed and allocated time to do that. Uh, for people who don't do a lot of indexes, don't spend a lot of time at it, it's probably best to finish the text before you start putting the index tags in. The next step I would take is to insert an index tag in each heading that will appear in the talk, as I mentioned. Uh, it's it's a cheap trick, if you like, that gets the top-level structure of your index in place very quickly uh, without any thought or effort. <laughs> you don't... <laughs> setting the initial structure for an index can be quite tricky, and if you do a lot of it, you know, you can spend a, a lot of time uh, in discussions and design meetings and workshops about the structure of the index. If you simply tag each heading, you'll get a structure, and it'll be pretty close to right. Uh, and you won't have to think about it. Next thing you should do, I believe, is make sure that the person who chooses the subjects to index is a member of the main target audience. So if you're writing for engineers, get an engineer to choose your index uh, subjects, to choose what to mark and put into the index. Now, the person who chooses what to index may not be the writer of the book. You need someone who knows what a member of the target audience will want to look up. And often, 
writers don't, particularly technical writers who are writing to software design specifications or something like that, they have never used or seen the product. They have, really have very little idea what the user of the software will want to look up. In fact, often the manual is written before the software is even built, so nobody has used this software. If you want a really good index, get someone who is an industry professional who would use that piece of software in their daily work and ask them which things they would like to look up in the index. You might be quite surprised at the result. Print the document, ask a subject matter expert to run through it and mark the things that they think people would want to look up with just with a simple yellow highlighter and use those highlighted topics as your second level index entries. Okay, once you've got that far, compile your index and see what you've got. And I suppose I could depress you by saying, uh, this is when the real work begins. Editing an index uh, is fiddly and frustrating, uh, and I'm sorry, there's no way around it. What I would uh, suggest is that you use Word's ability to have two windows open into the same document. You open one window at the generated index, and use the other window to scroll through the body text of the document. So when you want to correct the tag on page 79, don't shift the window showing the index, shift the other window, go to page 79, edit the tag, click into your second window, update your index, and you can see the tag move almost in real time. That will save you a lot of time. John, what strategy do you use for separating entries from sub-entries? Debate rages about this one, and it's not an easy answer to give. But simplistically, and, and the rule of thumb that I use is that an index entry is something the reader would, look, would want to look up, and a sub-entry is something that the reader would want to know about that thing. Readers, if you like, can't look up a, a sub-entry because the sub-entry is not in alphabetic order, remember. Painting, uh, choosing a type of paint, choosing a color, choosing a brush, uh, these are not listed as uh, type is not under T, it's under choosing. Uh, brush is not under B, it's under choosing. And both are under painting. So you can't look up sub-entries. So the sub-entry is something the reader wants to know about the main entry. The key to a good index is that each index entry should point to a single page, ideally. You, in the real world, uh, you won't get this to happen, not uh, most of the time. But ideally, if each index entry points to a single page, you've actually got a very high-performing index there. If the subject is bigger than a single page, think about including sub-entries under the main index entry to tell the reader where within the main entry the various subtopics occur. If you can't reconcile these two suggestions, chances are your publication's document design is poor. The editor uh, needs to actually go through the text again, have another look, 
move some stuff around. Uh, if you can't bring your index tag down to uh, a contiguous range of pages, information is scattered within your book. A certain amount of information scatter is unavoidable in some kinds of publication, but most of the time it's a bad thing and you should work to get rid of it. What are some of the pitfalls that writers can run into when it comes to indexes? <laughs> well, the first one is trying to automate the process. You can't, so don't even try. Uh, trying to use a concordance file to automate an index, that's perhaps the biggest mistake. If you try to do that, it'll take you twice as long to build your index. Trying to use mark all, which is another variation of the same thing. Uh, not understanding or having practiced indexing before you try to tag the main document is pretty fatal. Uh, it's a good idea to try to build the index for a single chapter until you've got the whole concept of indexing uh, well uh, ensconced in your mind before you start trying to build the index for a whole book. Because once you've got bad tags in the document, often the only quick thing to do is to remove all of the tags and start again. So try not to do that until you know what you're doing. Running out of time is the one that kills most indexes. As I said before, it'll take you five-person days of full-time effort to develop a good index for a 500-page document. If you've never built an index before, it'll take you twice as long. If you try to save time, it'll take you three days to make the first try and ten days to fix it when the readers complain. If you run out of time, you will have a bad index that will waste more of the reader's time than it saves. Imagine you had a street map, a really nice-looking street map, but it's a map for the wrong city. You won't know that that's occurred until the second or third time you try to go to the post office, only to discover that what you wanted was on the map, but not where the map said it was. And plenty of indexes in the world are like that. Don't add one. Now, you mentioned the concordance table method for creating indexes. Can you describe that in more detail and tell us more of your thoughts on that? A concordance table is a very powerful automatic tagging tool provided by several word processors. Microsoft Word is one of them. But it is not a method of creating indexes. What it creates looks a bit like an index, but it is not an index, and it cannot be used for the purpose that a reader turns to the index. Concordances are extremely powerful. It, it's Basically, it's a multiple-term search mechanism, and with the help of a bit of VBA, you can do all sorts of interesting and surprising things with concordances, such as inserting hyperlinks is really good for that, or inserting cross-references. If you want an extensively cross-referenced document, a concordance file, plus a bit of VBA, and uh, you can have your wicked way with uh, thousands of pages of text very quickly. But what a concordance file produces is not an index. You should not offer the result of a concordance file to the reader and pretend that it's an index because you'll only annoy them. A reader expects the index to save them the trouble of having to read the whole book to discover what they want to know. The core or key problem with a concordance is that it makes them read 
every description of a term until they find the one that tells them what they wanted to know. Now, that's your job. You're building the index. Your job is to find the one page on which the real description of the subject appears. Don't expect the reader to do the work for you by marking 27 occurrences of the word uh, capital and then expect the reader to turn to 27 different places in the book before discovering the one that tells them what a capital letter is. It's, uh, it, it, it's laziness. For example, imagine you were reading a book on orchard farming. You do not want to know every page on which the term apples or the term oranges appears. If you did, you wouldn't be looking in the index, you'd be reading the whole book. As a reader, if you want to visit every page that has the term on it, you'll read the whole thing. But as a reference reader, looking for a specific piece of information out of that book, you do want the index to point you to Apple's variety of on page 15 or Orange's fertilization on page 263. You want one page taking you to the main discussion on the topic. That's what an index is supposed to do. And a concordance file simply cannot do that. It's your job. Don't try and delegate it. Now, how do you revise index entries after, say, an enhancement to the software requires you to revise the help content? One by one, letter by letter, you mark out... The, the, there's no quick way to do this. You mark out the sections of the publication that have changed and the ones that have not. Now, if your original index was properly created... You normally don't need to change any of the tags in the sections that weren't changed. Now, read the existing index, read the added or changed material, and ask yourself whether the nature of the publication has been changed. If the nature of the publication has been changed, you have to search, replace all of the index tags out of it and simply start again, build a new index from scratch. If the publication's nature and purpose are unchanged, you simply need to add the tags to the new material following the same structural convention that you have in the existing index, and, uh, and you're done. How do you know if your index is actually usable? Well, you don't. The product marketing department will tell you the week after your publication ships because the call center will go crazy if it doesn't work. If the call center is being driven crazy by customers who couldn't find the information that you know is in the manual or in the help file, start looking for a new job before the publication manager finds you. You can perform an intricate analysis that will give you some idea whether you've got an, uh, a usable index. As part of your documentation design, there were a set of use cases or scenarios. These were descriptions of the goal or intention that the reader might have when they pick up the book. And the topics included that are needed to satisfy the information need. So if a reader wants to paint a house, that would be one scenario, and there would be a list of topics that would support 
the task of painting the house. Stem those uh, topic names into the three most likely things that a reader would call each one. Painting a house, redecorating, facelift. Now, armed with that list, make sure that each of those terms appears in the index. Make sure the reader can look up each of the items in the index. Now, for each of those topics that you've identified, ask yourself what concepts would the reader need to understand in order to perform those actions. Make a list and make sure that the reader can look up each of those concepts in the index as well. Read the introduction to the publication. Somewhere in there, there should be a list of all the wonderful things that the reader could do with this product. Make sure that they can look up each of those in the index. Go to your subject matter experts and ask, what newcomers to this product or subject often have difficulty with? What they need to know, what they need to understand in order to use this product at an expert level. Make sure the reader can look up all of those as well. Doing this analysis, it will tell you a lot, not just about the index, but about the book and about its design. You may find the analysis reveals a few omissions in the text itself and triggers a few rewrites or suggestions for the next issue. And occasionally, having gone through an, an analysis that is that rigorous, uh, we've discovered that the, <laughs> the book really is not very good at all, and we've sat down and uh, completely re-engineered it. Apply the 80-20 rule rigorously. If the 20% of your readers who are specialists in the use of this product can perform... 80% of the things that you wanted them to be able to do, print the damn thing and get it out the door. The product will change long before you get a book perfect. Get it out there into the hands of real readers. Publish and be damned. You'll be a lot more damned if you publish late or over budget. Uh, John, what's the biggest mistake that writers make when creating indexes? Probably the biggest one is trying to use a concordance in place of an index. It, it, it results in an, un, in an unusable listing. I guess the second one would be running out of time. Uh, it takes time to build a decent index. If you haven't allowed enough time, you cannot get a good index. Underestimating the difficulty of the job, indexing only sounds easy until you sit down to try and do it. Uh, it's not that difficult, but it is. Um, it, it requires time and attention to detail. If you if you can keep yourself uh, working away at it, you'll get a good index eventually. It's it's not rocket science. It just takes time. And I guess the last one is not understanding what an index is or what the reader wants to use it for. An index is not just a list of the stuff in this book. An index should contain a single reference to a single page for each subject. 
If it contains more than two page references for the majority of subjects, the indexer is not doing their job. If it contains more than five, they don't know what they're doing. Word provides the tools in which you can create a very good index. It's one of the best in the world. But it won't make the index for you. Any more than a Michael Schumacher's Ferrari will not drive itself. Uh, it's capable of winning races, but it needs a driver. Uh, words indexing tools are just the same. They're capable of producing a world standard index, but you've got to drive them. An index is created by analysis and thought, not software. If the thought is missing, the software won't help. Indexing, it's, it, indexing is the reverse of writing. Writing is trying to put information in. Indexing is the art of speeding up, taking information out. It's a completely different mindset. Many users don't understand the difference between a table of contents and an index. And these days, the majority of readers don't understand it either. A table of contents is a set of labels. Ideally, they're labels of things you want to do. It should be a list of the tasks or intentions that the reader has or the topics that the reader wants to know about. An index should be a list of subjects, facts, techniques, concepts that the reader may wish to look up. If you, well, you have to be prepared to make the hard calls to know your limitations. If you arrive three days before press roll and the index has not been started, cut it out. You don't have time to do it properly. And if you don't do it properly, it has a negative value to the reader. Better to leave it out and be thoughtful than to print rubbish and remove all doubt. Thanks, John, for all of that information on indexing. You, you really have a lot of expertise, and, and I appreciate it. What's the technical writing community like in Sydney? Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've got no idea. I don't think there is one. Um, there are a few people who wander around uh, talking about developing the industry and publishing technical writing standards and a couple of groups that get together once a month or so, but they're tiny. Sydney is a city of five million people. I've never heard much about these groups. I never hear of other technical writers. Most technical writing publications in this city anyway are produced by sole practitioners, often contractors who work alone on the customer's site and never meet each other. It's about 10 years since I last worked in a documentation team. I believe that technical writing's probably disappeared almost as a specialty. Nobody's got the time or budget to do it anymore. It's so much cheaper to let the subject matter experts describe what they build the product managers can describe how they intend it to be used. And an electronic search can present the information anywhere the reader wants to. The job's done. There's no need for specialist technical writers anymore. That's it for this episode of Tech Writer Voices. 
I encourage you to subscribe to receive email updates if you haven't already. There's an email notification box on the site. Type in your email. When new podcasts are added to the site, you'll receive a notification. And I also encourage you to spread the word about this site. Let other members of your chapter know. Visit techwritervoices.com or listservs that you're on just so other people can benefit. Now, I have a new feature that I've added to this site, and that is e-voicemail. If you call 727-493-2139, you can leave voicemail via a Skype mailbox. So I won't actually answer the phone, obviously. You just leave your voicemail, and it's recorded digitally in an MP3 format. And I would love for somebody to actually leave a message that I could play. So again, 727-493-2139. Pick up your cell phone. Tell me what you thought of this uh, podcast on indexing. And also, I have a question that I want to throw out, which Alistair Christie asked me the other day, which really got me thinking hard. And I'd, I'd like to know what your response to this question might be. What are the greatest issues that technical writers face today? So if you think you have a a good answer to that, or if you have some thoughts you want to leave me, you can either write write to me at tom at techwritervoices.com or call that number that that I mentioned earlier, and that's also on the site and a button. And also you'll notice I didn't include any music in this podcast. I thought the heart of it is in the vocal content, not necessarily the not necessarily the music, so I thought I would just omit it this time. But if you have some recommendations for me, definitely send them to me.